Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. There are many reasons you should be a member here at WDET, but here's a really cool one. At noon today, if you are a WDET member, uh, you can pre pre-buy tickets to Snatch, Snap Judgment with Glenn Washington live on stage, which is coming to Royal Oak on October 26th. You will get an email from us this morning with a special pre-sale code that you can use to buy your tickets. Remember, that is going to be at noon today before tickets go on sale to the general public on Friday. Also, join me at the Detroit Today team and other WDET listeners at the Detroit City Distillery for smart conversations about politics and policy news and issues that matter most. We're going to be there tomorrow, May 17th from 6 to 8 p.m. We'll talk about regional transit. We'll talk about education and this year's race for governor. We want to hear from you about the topics you'd like us to focus on when we go up to Mackinac Island later this month for the Detroit Regional Chamber's Policy Conference. Uh, you are going to lead the conversation tomorrow night at the Detroit City Distillery. Talk about the things that matter the most to you. That's from 6 to 8 p.m. For more information, go to WDET.org events. Up first today, 26 years ago, voters in Michigan overwhelmingly supported a measure that created term limits for elected state office holders. Last vestiges of the pre-term limits era left the Capitol in 2010 with George Cushingberry, who went on to be a Detroit city councilman. Cushingberry, whatever else voters thought of him, was known for his deep institutional knowledge of how the system works and how to get things done. That's a real concern in the era of term limits in Michigan. That's something really important and substantive has been lost. Come January 2019, for instance, more than half of all the lawmakers in Lansing will be brand new to their chamber. The revolving door in Lansing keeps legislators intellectually thin and leaves the onus of institutional knowledge on others like lobbyists and moneyed interests. A new study from Citizens Research Council shows our experiment with term limits has failed to deliver on its promises that races would become more competitive and bring in fresh, capable talent to replace tired and corrupt career politicians. But would Michigan voters consider going back to the old days? Or would they think about modifying term limits in a way that would allow office holders to build more experience and expertise. That's where we begin the conversation today. And of course, we want to hear from you. What do you think of term limits in the legislature? Uh, do you think that's something we should revisit now, 26 years after voters in the state adopted that system? Joining us now to talk about this is Zach Gorchow. He is the editor of Gongwar News. Zach, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Also here is Eric Lufer, who is the president of the Citizens Research Council of Michigan, which recently released the study titled Evaluating the Effects of Term Limits on the Michigan Legislature. Eric, welcome to Detroit Today. Stephen, it's nice to be back. Yes, Thank you for having me. It's good to see you. Um, so let's Let's talk about uh, uh, let's talk about what this report tells us about what term limits have done 
to the Michigan legislature. This is something I, I hear people talk about a lot, and it seems like there's a real divide. Some people think, hey, uh, we got all those people out of there who just hang around and take money and don't vote for the, the, the people's interest. Other people say, boy, it's really difficult to get things done when the people sitting in the seats in the legislature don't know very much about where they are or what they're doing. What does this report tell us has happened uh, since we did this? I think it tells us there's a bit of both. There's, uh, you know, certainly we don't have the date Dominic Jacobettis, who mm-hmm. was a longtime p- politician from the UP and was known for having his little fiefdom, uh, sort of everything that was wrong with having long-term legislators. Uh, but there's been a cost to that, that there's been a cost in, as you say, the institutional knowledge. Um, there's been a cost, uh, the idea that we read a lot 26 years ago was that this was going to bring about the citizen legislator, Mm -hmm. the idea that people would leave their job and go to Lansing for six or 10 years, you know, however it worked out and then come back and be a, a citizen again and live under those laws. And that really hasn't played out for a lot in a lot of ways. Uh, the, the power shifts between the legislative branch and the executive branch and the uh, lobbyists that we see the um, hangers-on around Lansing uh, has has not benefited the legislature and in a lot of ways has not voted us as citizens because of that. Um, the way that the chambers work, the sort of institutional inside um, processes uh, has suffered because of um, term limits. We have speakers of the House with two or four years of experience. We have uh, committee chairs coming in with no experiences, brand new freshmen now uh, empowered in the committee chairs. And, uh, you know, it, it works. If things happen, mm-hmm. they they meet and clearly bills are being enacted. Um, but it could be better, I think, is the point of our, our paper. It could be better. Yeah. Uh, Zach Gorchow, uh, talk about the way in which term limits have had an impact on getting things done in in Lansing. That's something we also hear a lot about, this idea of a do-nothing uh, legislature and and that uh, it, that owes in part to the inexperience of, of legislators. Is that is that an accurate picture of what goes on there? No. I, I would not describe term limits as having led to a do-nothing legislature. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's led to a lot more activity. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have legislators who may only have six years uh, to make their mark. And so a lot of times you have this sort of casting about for issues and uh, committee chairs who, as as Eric mentioned, are are relatively inexperienced, and they'll just be throwing everything at the wall um, to, you know, maybe get an issue, maybe get some publicity, uh, maybe this is their their pet issue. They hope something happens with it. I, I feel like every year since I've I've been here, and and certainly in comparison to the, the the pre-term limits days, there's more activity, more bills, more committee meetings. Uh, the number of public acts probably pretty consistent uh, over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't think it's led to a do-nothing legislature. But I do think. It has led to probably more situations where uh, a bill may only pass the House because the House sort of sees it as like, well, we want to have our, our statement here. We want to pass something. 
but then they know it's just going to go nowhere in the Senate, and and maybe vice versa as well. Hmm. Um, you know, you you don't have uh, the relationships that you used to have. So I think you know we've seen sort of a succession of uh, Senate majority leaders and House speakers that haven't you know, gotten along particularly well. There's been sort of a clash of personalities, and that's led to a little bit of rivalry there. Uh, What about the empowering of other non-elected officials that that this is, uh, I think, accelerated? Uh, Can you talk about uh, this this power that uh, lobbyists who are not term limited, for instance, have that that, uh, political... Uh, interest, moneyed interest, have in the legislature is that is that different now? Yeah, I I, I think so. Um, you know, you have the institutional memory really re- rely uh, resides in the lobbying core. Um, the lobbying core that you've got those are the folks who've been around, you know, five, ten, fifteen, thirty years, and they're the folks who really have a lot of the expertise now. Um, you know, the staff has turned over tremendously as well. Um, you know, because as the lobbying corps has grown, the better paying jobs tend to be in the lobbying corps. So a lot of your staff people end up graduating, so to speak, mm-hmm. and going to work in the lobbying corps. So that you, you tend to see, um, you know, legislators turning in some ways to the lobbyists to find out what the history is on, is on an issue. Um, you know, and to the extent that a, a lobbyist may have a good relationship with a legislator, that, that probably makes it a little easier to facilitate uh, passage of a bill. Now, that said, you will definitely hear lobbyists say many times, uh, they just don't care what we have to say on this. I mean, <laughs> look, how many years did it take to get uh, a tax increase for roads passed? You had basically the entire, almost the entire lobbying core of Lansing hired to try to get passage of a tax increase for roads. And they were beating their heads against the wall in it for years because, you know, the Republicans in the legislature were more concerned and more responsive to uh, their conservative base at home. And mm-hmm. a, a lot of people would say, that's good. Um, there would be other folks who would say, well, wait a minute, all the people who have the expertise on the situation of the roads are being ignored. That's not good. Mm-hmm. So it's not a clean answer that, that, that suddenly lobbyists have all the power. Um, but I do think they have become uh, in some ways more important for the overall, all 148 legislators as far as information and memory. But I I would say though, if you go back to the pre-term limits days, that's where you probably had the longer term relationships between uh, key legislators and members of the lobbying corps that can't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric Lufer, um, one of the things that uh, you guys point out in your report is is that uh, even even among states that have term limits, Michigan stands out uh, by having uh, the shortest and strictest limits. What effect does that have, or how does that, I guess, compare to what we see? In, in in other states. Yeah, again, this goes back to sort of the um, the idea that we have the freshmen and sophomores calling all the shots that people um, aren't there long enough to gain the information. If you're on a committee, it takes time to learn all the aspects of whatever issue you're, you're dealing with to become a leader, the Speaker of the House, a whip, whatever it is, 
takes time to learn the institutional knowledge to build relationships so that you can count votes and and make deals and those types of things. And by the time they learn that, we say, that's it, you're done, go on. And, and so there are other states that have term limits. Uh, we are the shortest with six years in the House, eight years in the Senate. Um, and, and, you know, it's really that shortness, we think, that uh, works against Michigan more than the other total. states. Yeah. And so California and Arkansas both had the same system when they ad- adopted term limits and back in 2012 and 2014, each state went back and asked their voters to amend the Constitution. So now the legislators come in and they have 12 years or 16 years in each state um, to decide how they want to spend their time. Do they want to spend it all in the House, all in the Senate? Do they want to move between the two chambers? Mm-hmm. But that allows time to create mentors, time to create that institutional knowledge, time to have a leader of the chamber that has been there a while and understands the things. So it's kind of the best of both worlds that we're still going to avoid having those long-term politicians that build up their fiefdoms. Uh, But at the same time, let's get the people in there who understand these things um, can build up that knowledge and become the statesmen that we saw with many politicians before term limits. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Zach Gorchow. He's the editor of Gongwar News. Also with us is Eric Lufer. He's president of the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. We're talking about a recently released study titled Evaluating the Effects of Term Limits on the Michigan Legislature. Uh, we're talking about 26 years after Michigan voters uh, enacted term limits on state office holders. What does that look like on a daily basis in Lansing? What does that look like in elections, in legislative districts? And is it time for us to sit down and think again about how we structure uh, eligibility for public office in Michigan? Are term limits not producing the results that they promised? Have they have they caused or inspired a lot of other issues that we didn't maybe foresee back in 1992. If you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. Would you vote for a repeal of term limits here in Michigan? What do you think about the prospect of career politicians? And have you noticed a change in Michigan's politics and political structure over the past couple decades? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Arnold on Facebook says, the Michigan voters have twice voted for term limits. I like term limits. I also like a part-time legislature. I also want just one legislative body, not two like we have now. A full-time Senate and House is just a waste of money and impedes getting things done. Brian on Facebook says, are there special interest or lobbying groups in favor of term limits, I understand that the notion sounds good, so it is reported, reportedly favorable to voters, but if there was an attempt to remove term limits, who would oppose the change? Eugene on Facebook says, term limits undermine institutional memory and effectiveness. Furthermore, they are contrary to the principles our republic was founded upon as voters should be able to elect who they want. As always, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Let's go to Chuck in Franklin. Chuck, welcome to Detroit Today. 
Hi, Stephen. Hey. Um, I'm sort of a, a neutral on the issue, so my, my comment that follows is not really aimed at, at one side or another of the debate, because I realize that people can always impose their own term limits at elections right. and just vote, just vote the, people out, vote right? the bad guys out. But when I, whenever I hear this conversation come up in the last, oh, say, five or six years, and I think both of your guests will know the story that I'm about to tell better than I can do for your audience, but... In the state of New York, um, both houses of the legislature there have been awash in uh, corruption cases over the last, as they say, five or six years. Mm -hmm. I think both uh, senior leaderships in both houses of the New York state legislature, where they have no term limits and where these guys have been in power for 25, 30, 35 years, um, I I think there are a dozen former uh, New York State legislatures that are legislators that are now in federal prison somewhere, wow. um, and I'll bet both your guests know what I'm talking about, and they can probably follow up better than I can. Hmm. Uh, Chuck, thanks very much for the call and 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 the story there from New York. Uh, I, I I'm not familiar with with that scandal or or the 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 consequences of it, which you uh, are reporting to be pretty pretty widespread. Um, but this question about the connection between long-term service and corruption is one of the things that that drove voters in 1992 here uh, to, to adopt term limits, Eric. Yeah, so the, the allegation is that the longer you're in as a legislator, the greater your connection to the lobbyist or the special interest group and therefore the propensity to engage in some sort of activity that maybe we don't want to have uh, associated with our legislature. The fact is Michigan has some of the weakest uh, financial disclosure laws. We don't have freedom of information in the legislature. There's a lot of other things that we could put in place mm-hmm. that would directly speak to this issue. And and having term limits sort of is a roundabout way of trying to get to this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach, the, the, the question that... Uh, that someone asked on Facebook, and I think it's uh, it's Brian on Facebook, who asks, uh, who would oppose uh, the, a change to term limits if it were proposed? Uh, I think that's an interesting question. Uh, who's the interest group that most, I guess, cherishes the idea of these term limits? I mean, really, we're talking about national uh, groups that would be involved. The, the U.S. term limits group would be the one that would likely fund an opposition. There's really no well-organized local opposition to the idea of changing term limits. Uh, now, that's not to say one couldn't be organized, and I'm sure one would be, uh, but the money would likely come from outside the state of Michigan. Whenever mm-hmm. there's these periodic rumblings about, well, we need to change or repeal term limits, somebody from U.S. term limits uh, sort of waves their sword and says, well, we're ready. We're coming in if this, this is necessary. Um, you know, in terms of speaking out against it, really the, the last person who's really, you know, waving the flag mightily is uh, Patrick Anderson, uh, who's an um, analyst here that was instrumental in the initial term limits law that was uh, enacted by voters in 1992. And he would certainly um, carry a lot of the uh, spokesperson type duties, I would think. But mm-hmm. really, uh, the ver- main, you know, the major organizations, you know, interest groups and so forth, would all be in favor of some type of change to term limits. You know, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce was the latest in a long list 
to kick around the idea of a change to term limits this year, but ultimately decided to pass on it because there were so many other ballot proposals mm -hmm. that they were going to need to be involved with that they didn't feel they could head up something. Um, you know, I think the problem has been that the, the idea of repealing term limits outright is generally seen as not, pat, not viable politically. Mm -hmm. So then you're talking about some sort of change going to this, you know, well, do we let them serve 14 years in one body? And I think a lot of groups have looked at this and said, that's really not going to be, be a big, meaningful change, at least certainly not enough to justify the expense of millions of dollars. Um, and, and, you know, just no one so far has been willing to step up and say, yeah, we're ready to spend the 5 to $10 million to make a change to term limits. Yeah. So we are where we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think that's the issue, that it's not so much that we have anybody opposing it, but nobody's willing to spearhead to the effort. put their neck out. And the idea of let's put something on the ballot to throw the bums out, you don't have to spend money. Most right. people are going to line up, where do I sign up for that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Chuck, uh, thanks very much for the call uh, and the comments. Alvin on Facebook says, keep term limits. All they need are ideas, not a legacy, right? Or repeal bills that can help the people. How hard is that? Kevin on Facebook says, term limits have always been a horrible idea. You wouldn't want a dentist or a carpenter who only had two years' experience. Why would you prevent legislators from staying on long enough to learn to do the job? Consensus building and public policy is a skill. We shouldn't belittle it by pretending anybody off the street can do it. Uh, let's go to Jason in Canton. Jason, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, thanks for having me on. Sure. Go ahead. So, so I guess I would say that... Um, you know, I, I am inclined to agree with, with others saying that, you know, I think that it is a good idea to extend term limits, but I also feel like there needs to be kind of a check and balance to the system. To, to use a recent example with a, with a NASA scandal over at MSU, I mean, a lot of people feel like uh, the Board of Trustees, you know, they really, you know, just didn't care about what the people wanted. You know, they, they brought Engler in with, within like 20, you know, with virtually no notice, mm -hmm. uh, no input from faculty or, or students. And that left a lot of uh, a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. And I think that um, what what can be done to to ensure that a similar thing wouldn't happen with with politicians if we were to extend term limits? Right, uh, Jason. That's a great that's a great question. That tension uh, between uh, the idea of letting legislators or elected officials learn the job and get get good at it, and uh, the idea that Sometimes they just stay forever uh, and that they become removed from the people and seemingly removed from the mechanism that people have to, to make change, which is which is elections uh, every year. But I think the MSU Board of Trustees is something that's on lots of people's minds right now, sort of wondering why uh, this board hasn't changed in as long as it has. Again, we have elections every two years for the House every four years for the Senate. So there's always the opportunity to express your voice. You don't have to wait for somebody to be term limited out to go on for the next, to the next representative or Senator. Um, and you know, there are other mechanisms out there to try to get to that security. Um, the, the financial reporting, the freedom of information, right. all those types of things are out there. Um, we don't have to use a blunt force instrument to try to have this, uh, transparency for what our representatives are doing. Yeah, yeah. Let's quickly go to uh, Malcolm in Detroit. Malcolm, welcome to Detroit Today. Yes, just wanted to know uh, 
what your guests would say is the magic number, right? So if six years is too short and we don't want 12 or 14 or something longer, you know, uh, is 10 years a good amount of time? I mean, I think a decade is a good, you know, t- amount of time to get things done, learn the job. Yeah, experience and credibility. So, what what's the magic number? That's a great question, Malcolm. Uh, I'm not sure I know. I'm not sure I know the answer, Zach. I'll let you take a crack I, at I that. I can take a whack at that. Um, so, before term limits, the average length of service was about 12 years. Um, I, I've long felt that uh, you could change term limits by you. You don't even have to touch the Senate because almost every member of the Senate was serving in the House before, so they're coming in with somewhere between two to six years of experience when mm-hmm. they land in the mm-hmm. Senate and the eight years there that, you know, most of the people end up serving, you know, who are in the Senate are pretty experienced. The House is the problem, uh, and it's because not only is there the six-year limit, but you have uh, a lot of people who never get to the full six years because they jump to run to the Senate right. um, when they know they have their one shot to try to get to the Senate, so there's this constant churn. So I've long felt if you bumped the House up from a maximum of three two-year terms to five or six two-year terms, you would solve pretty much all of the problems with term limits because you would then have House members who knew they'd have more than one chance to run for the Senate uh, if they wanted while they were a sitting member. Right. Uh, you would no longer have people walking in the door and thinking about running for speaker before they had even uh, taken the oath of office. Uh, you would now have speakers who would probably have eight years of experience um, and be a lot more seasoned. Uh, you would just generally have a lot more stability. You wouldn't have the seats turning over nearly as much. And you wouldn't have this sort of weird situation where the Senate is always so much more experienced than the House, and the House is kind of always just green and right. churning over and having to constantly be retrained uh, and uh, learning the, the basics of the issues every two years. Yeah. Okay, Zach Gorchow, editor of Gong War News. Thank you for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. Eric Lufer, president of Citizens Research Council of Michigan, recently released the study titled Evaluating the Effect of Term Limits on the Michigan Legislature. Thank you for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you, and uh, they can find our report on crcmich.org. Yes. Up next, we're going to talk to the man who popularized the phrase deep state and what he thinks of the way it is used in modern politics. Stay tuned for that. Also, remember, if you have to miss any of today's show, you do not have to miss out on the conversation. All you have to do is go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.